0: Hello and welcome to Beauty is Eternal, the art of being your best self for women. My name is Caitlin and I'm your host. Today's episode is called Lessons in Grief, Letting Go with Jean Sartor. Today, we are going to discuss a topic that can be uncomfortable and painful, yet I am hopeful that in this case, it will also be cathartic. They say that people who die see a light at the end of the tunnel but what about those who are left behind is there a light at the end of the tunnel of grief for them grief has more than one definition the one that we are going to focus on today is what the cambridge dictionary defines as very great sadness especially at the death of someone in cultures where there is a strong belief in the afterlife Death can even be seen as the pinnacle of life and be celebrated as such. This is often not the case in modern Western cultures, where some see death as simply the end, while others believe in heaven or hell, but nonetheless still struggle when the time comes to go to a funeral and see the corpse of the person they once knew and spent time with. This podcast will focus on those who grieve upon loss, rather than those who celebrate death. Those of us who do not die tragically young must experience loss at some point in our lives. If you never love anyone, you never have to lose anyone. But humans cannot flourish without love. The more people you love in your lifetime, the more people you may lose as your life runs its course. Think about it for a moment. Every person you love, you will either have to live on after they die, where they will have to live on after you die the facts are not pretty and the experience is not easy but speaking openly about it is important there are commonly accepted to be five stages of grief they are meant to help someone shift their viewpoint from great grief and sorrow to acceptance without going insane grief can get trapped in the body if not properly released and can cause a lot of health problems our guest today is someone who has experienced firsthand the workings of grief on her mind and her body and will bravely share what she has learned and experienced the hard way to the benefit of others who may today or one day in the future face great grief and be in need of her knowledge and advice jean sartor is a woman who has done many things in her life. She is a world traveler, born in California, and has lived in Boston, New York, Berlin, and various cities in Italy, where she now lives. I first met Jean in Berlin. She is also one of the kindest, most open-hearted, most caring and genuine people I have ever had the fortune to meet. In her life, she has founded her own media company, been head of business development and sales for two global media empires, raised two boys into teenagers, and she has had to grieve the deaths of many people she has loved. Most recently, her two sons lost their father to cancer. She has had to face the deaths of her husband, her sister, and both her parents. Jean has used a number of different methods that she has learned to process grief and today she will share them with us. I feel very lucky and very honored to introduce today's guest, Jean Sartor. Hello Jean, thank you so much for being my guest today and for talking about such a difficult subject.
1: Hello Caitlin, thank you for having me, it's a subject that uh, I think is well worth a conversation.
0: Today, we are here to talk about grief. You are someone who has experienced a lot of loss in your life. What does grief mean to you?
1: Well, I'm from a very close family of 11 children, uh, with parents that were extremely loving. They raised their children to value love and relationships over everything else in life. So it was particularly hard for me to lose my mother, father, and oldest sister My oldest sister had been like a mother to me uh, within one year of each other. So 13 months, within 13 months, I lost the three of them. These were three fundamental figures who meant for me my very life force, my very existence. This happened over 10 years ago, and I have been observing my feelings of loss and grief for them since that time.
0: That sounds like an incredibly difficult experience to have gone through, especially losing people so close together.
1: And almost two years ago, I lost my husband of 21 years to brain cancer. Since his death, I have been observing this cycle of loss again to understand just exactly what this grief brings to my life, the health of my physical, emotional and mental states of being. I'm also observing this in my children, 20 years old and 13 years old. I've come to the understanding that this grief that affects me is so incredibly strong in the state of my subconscious mind. Identifying, facing, clearing, healing these deep hidden emotions, feelings, reactions have been to me an arduous task, but essential to health and survival.
0: Well, that sounds incredibly hard. I can't imagine what you've been through to lose all of those people you love. I haven't lost that many people. Why do you think it is that we grieve when we lose people that we love? Why do you think that it is so hard and so painful for us?
1: Well, of course, as I said about my parents and sister, people, our human relationships make us who we are. So they are the very fiber of what we are made of. When we lose these people, we lose a part of ourselves.
0: Do you think that it's more painful to lose people related to us biologically versus people unrelated to us, or it doesn't matter, it's the love and the connection? What do you think? I think
1: we come into this life related to certain people that we also have a karmic connection with. And our DNA is so intrinsically connected that physically losing members of our family can be harder. But I also believe that that connection exists between people you are not related to. And I've had that experience of losing friends and the loss of those friendships and relationships can be at times as heavy as those of family members that you are so bound to through DNA.
0: That's a really interesting point about the DNA. That makes me think if we're somehow still connected to the people that we're related to through DNA in our lives, that when they die, it's like a part of us dies in some way, a part of our DNA dies. So maybe we feel that in a slightly different way.
1: I think that you feel that pain physically. The pain of loss and detachment is heavy on the body, the mind, the soul.
0: Why do you think it is important to release grief from the body? If you have an experience and you lose somebody you love, why do you think it is important to go through that step of letting go?
1: Because I think that in order to live a healthy and productive life, again, we have to clear that heaviness. We have to understand that heaviness, that that pain. We have to heal it, we have to clear it in order to live again a, a healthy life.
0: When you have experienced grief in your life, what has it been like for you?
1: What I have observed with these experiences of loss and grief is that the pain is physical. It actually lives within the body in a physical way. The emotional pain seems to disturb brain processes such as memory, attention, attitude, productivity. All of this seems to be suspended and it seems to take so much time to accomplish any task at all. There is a definite heaviness just being, surviving. I have the feeling that it is just so difficult to continue living with the weight of the grief.
0: Hearing you talk about this, I can feel a lot of the pain that you've experienced. It's been really hard. According to my research about grief, there are a couple of widely accepted models. According to the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross model of 1969, the five stages of grief are denial and isolation, anger, bargaining depression and acceptance and according to a 1998 theory by parks his theory is that there are four stages the first is shock and numbness the second is yearning and pining the third is disorganization and despair and the fourth is recovery did you experience any of these phases did you experience any not included in these lists or skip any do you think this was inaccurate? Reading,
1: reading over both Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and Parks' defined stages, I have identified with every one of the definitions and stages, and I feel that there's a parallel between the stages defined by both of them. For example, acceptance. What I've observed in myself is that some of these stages are evident and prevalent right after the loss, such as denial and isolation seem part of the shock of the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross stage one, seem parallel, seem part of shock and numbness. When you are shocked, I feel it's a sort of denial. You, You can't really believe yet that the person is really gone. Isolation, in this case, is for for me, comes from a sort of numbness. One feels numb. If you can't feel, you tend to want to isolate yourself and be alone. You don't have the desire or the capacity to communicate with anyone, and you feel very lost and isolated. Again, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, the second stage is bargaining. Bargaining seems to me to be a part of the yearning and the pining that is defined by Parks' stages. You bargain to make the nightmare go away, you bargain. You want the nightmare to go away as you yearn or pine for those people for whom you are grieving. And then the stage of depression, um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's definition of depression, Uh, it's a debilitating feeling and causes uh, the states of disorganization and despair as defined by Parks, as I spoke about earlier, when even the smallest task seems so difficult to, to perform.
0: It sounds to me like for you, a lot of the different phases and stages blended together. It isn't like one day you're in despair, and another day you're in denial, that they're all interconnected. So it's sort of like a journey that you go on and things fit together as you pass through.
1: Exactly. I'm still, for example, since my husband died only within two years ago, so it will be two years this December, I am still in some of the stages very intensely, and I observe those stages. For example, I realize that we're coming upon year two. However, in the first year, there was definitely much more intense suffering. Intense suffering through these different types of experiences that mentioned in the stages. They seem much more intense. And as time passes you move to another stage which is less painful, I would say.
0: It sounds like the loss of your husband was very recent and you're still in the stages of going through grief for that, as you said. You have lost family some years ago. Do you think that the way you grieve now has changed since it's no longer your first or second or third time? and you've lived a bit longer or do you think that it's a similar experience every time that you have to go through in a similar way?
1: With the loss of each of my loved ones uh, I've tried to observe the feelings of grief. I would have to say that having had that experience with my parents and my sister almost 10 years ago I'm trying to identify those same feelings with the loss of my husband. I would say to help me get through this, to recognize again those same emotions, knowing that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that I will get through it, that time will heal and that I will pass through these stages. I feel that with the loss of each of the loved ones, the process seems to be very dynamic changing always through many stages there are ups and downs and new discoveries in the healing process i'm working harder this time to identify them and to help myself get through the diff- the various stages
0: so this time you're being more conscious of each stage and all the feelings as you pass through them than you were in the past
1: yeah there's a certain desperation that one feels that you're not going to get through this, you're not going to make it. It's a suspension of time. Grief suspends time. And it seems that time passes so slowly in this painful state and one feels, I feel, that I, I'm not going to make it through sometimes. And so I, I've used with the death of my husband, I've used the reference of the death of my mother and father and sister to carry me through to, to say, okay, I remember at this point I was very desperate, but I did I did make it through, so it's possible that I'll make it through again this time. So there there were definitely I think experience of loss and grief if one will learn from it and study it and observe themselves, I think it, it, it would possibly help to to clear or to, uh, to heal yourself again by learning through those through the, the loss of others.
0: You are so brave for talking about this. Really, I can't believe everything you've been through, and thank you so much for opening your heart like this. What, for you, has been the hardest part about losing the people that you love?
1: Probably the, the daily yearning. To see their face, the pining to spend time again, the regret and fear of not having shared the love you have felt for them. I think for me, that's that's the hardest. That the, those two combined. That the missing, the missing, the, the, the memories, the laughter, the face, the the conversations, the time spent, and then, then the idea that possibly they never felt how much you loved them, or you never communicated to them how very much they meant to you. And that comes with a lot of regret and guilt.
0: I want to share a personal story. Uh, what you've been through is much more than what I've been through. But when I was a child, when I was nine years old, we had a family dog, a collie named Jack, and he got run over by a car. And he died a few hours after that. So me and my siblings went to the veterinary hospital and we had a chance to say goodbye to him, which we did, and then he died. And that was my first experience with death. And I was I was a child. I didn't really understand what was happening, but I thought that maybe it was reversible so i tried to make a bargain with god so first i offered to exchange him my life for the dogs so that he could come back and live and i would go go on and then that didn't work but i also felt maybe it was because my wish hadn't been sincere that a part of me wanted to go on living so then i tried to change the deal that i was offering god that me and jack could go and live alone on a cloud and be happy together forever. That also didn't work and I was I was a little bit confused by that. And then after that I came to the belief that when people and animals died, they became clouds. So I would go out and I would look for him in the passing clouds whenever I was outside. But I never I never saw him there. I think I
1: saw you there with him. I think I saw him and I think I saw you there with him.
0: So maybe a part of me will always be there with him on that cloud. And I know death is really difficult for children, particularly because they don't always have the cognitive abilities to make sense of what's happening to them. They can be overwhelmed by feelings and not able to analyze them the same way that adults can. I know that your children, you have two boys were still young when their father died and that must have been a really difficult experience for you and for them because they're going up and then they lose their father and they have to somehow make sense of something that's really shocking and and horrible how did you help your children through these stages of grief? What was it like to go through this with them? And I'm sorry to ask you such a painful question. No, it,
1: it. I again, the death of my husband is fairly fresh. We are only we're coming upon year two of since his death, and I feel that we we have all made progress. The difficult thing about my children was that. Uh, My husband was Mr. Mom, and very, very, very close to our two boys. And then he was sick for a long period of time with very serious form of brain cancer. That was very, very difficult for my two boys to watch, for our two boys to watch their father suffer. So I think they have a very, very long road to recovery and making reference to you and your dog, Jack, I try to share with my children methods that I have used to try to communicate and try to meet with my husband and my mother and father and my sister somewhere on a cloud. I offer that advice to my children. I ask my older son, who's 20, to visit his father uh, to talk to him, to find him, to find a space where they meet. I have used meditation, Louise Hay, the, the Hay House, they have some beautiful meditations, some uh, chakra and angel meditations, and I have introduced uh, into those meditations a walk, a walk, a meeting place where I meet with my husband and my children together, or I meet with my mother and father and my sister to have a hug, to be held by them, to help hold them. And I have offered that advice to my sons to try to meet with their father. That he's there, that he's all around them, that he's listening. And that just because he's not here in physical form anymore, that he's there.
0: That's so beautiful. That's very beautiful that you're able to help your children through that and share the experience with them and open your heart to them. Is that also the advice that you would give to a listener who right now might be dealing with grief? What would you tell them has helped you the most and helped your sons the most? I would
1: say that the belief that Beings, human beings, and all beings are not necessarily always in the same form. So I I believe that my loved ones have changed form. I believe that they are still here with us. That belief has really been one of the most comforting things to know, that I can lay down and connect with them and still have them as part of my life and see them somehow and be with them somehow and feel them somehow and uh, I would also th- say that since the loss of my mother and father and sister was t- was 10 years ago that um, almost 10 years ago that I do I I do know that time time heals And my mother used, my mother lived a very, uh, was born in 1917 and she was from a large family as well of 11 children and lived through the depression and World War II and tuberculosis and lost many loved ones and uh, always gave me the advice. I was the last of her 11 children. She always gave me the advice that time would heal all. She was a very fun loving Happy woman, and I believe she truly meant that. felt that she had a lot of faith, and she felt that time would heal all. and I I listened to that, and and um, I've experienced it.
0: Do you think that for you, time really does then help heal these wounds? That grief gets better in time.
1: I absolutely believe that. I. I believe with time and wisdom and some work on our part to understand what we're going through. Uh, I, think, I think we definitely heal through time. Our, our wounds heal through time. And a little bit of work and patience.
0: <laughs> Can I ask you a little bit about grief over time? Has it affected you physically in any ways? Have you felt pain in particular parts of your body? Can you share share that with us?
1: Yeah, I have felt both uh, both times. When I have been dealing with intense loss, I've felt um, that the grief affects me actually physically in my heart. I have read some books of Greg Braden. Um, he's a Hay House writer as well. He has proven that uh, um, with his writing that uh, the the heart, there's there's electric magnetic field that the heart the heart is a very electrical instrument so i i feel that and and he's done some very incredible research on this around major world events so for example september 11th after september 11th there was a reading of the magnetic fields of the earth and people who are watching their television observing the towers fall and observing the the grief of the people that were trapped or killed and loved ones that the magnetic field of of the earth was extremely high during those periods and so and and that was associated with the heart not the brain earlier it was perceived that the brain had more magnetic energy but now it's perceived that it's the heart so i f- i have felt both times um, a very weak heart very pa- a lot of pain in my heart And the day that my husband died, I started to feel the effects of menopause more intensely. So whenever the body is feeling stress, I think emotionally, we also feel the symptoms physically. And I have felt the stress of this death through probably increased activity, menopausal activity as well, which I felt 10 years ago. I had started pre-menopause after the death of my mother and then um, when I had healed, that the menopause symptoms went away. So I feel that all of those, the the physical and the emotional, are very connected in that sense.
0: Wow, that's quite a journey that you've been on with grief and also the way that it's affected you physically and the way that by healing your emotional grief, you were able to heal the pain and wounds in your body. What do you think such great loss has taught you about those who are still alive and those that you have relationships. Oh,
1: definitely, definitely. This is such a nice question because um, one of the one of the silver linings of the cloud is that you you learn so deeply to appreciate and savor every moment with those you love, to accept differences so much easier to forgive so much more easily, to move on much faster, and to focus much more on the gift of a person. My, my friends, my loved ones are, I perceive them as such an amazing gift now. And I think that in itself, that gratitude, is, is such a gift. It's something to really, really hold on to. Something that is left in my life to really, really hold on to.
0: That is very precious advice. Thank you for sharing with us so much about these lessons that you've learned the hard way and I really hope that they can help other people who are also in grief. Let's say that there is a listener right now who is going through a lot of grief and who is struggling. What advice would you give them step by step?
1: My advice would be to really, really inform themselves as much as possible about positive healing techniques and experiences, to read books, to listen to podcasts, and uh, to really inform themselves, to let themselves enter into a world of healing and to really, really take it slow, take it slow, take it as it comes, uh, to be sad if they need to be sad, to to take as much time as they need. Uh, My advice would be also to give more love and share more positive experiences with loving family and friends. So for those those relationships that are left, to focus on those relationships that they do have now, those beautiful, positive, loving relationships that they do have to go to those and to really give as much love and share as much as possible
0: like everything you've said today that's so beautifully said jean before i let you leave today i have three more questions for you that i'm asking all my guests the tone of these questions is a little bit different from our theme so the first question is one book that you'd recommend to all the listeners
1: i have so many books i love but I thought of this book, possibly because it's related to our theme, but uh, also I would, re- I, I would recommend this in any state of being to every person. I, I, I think every person should read this book. Uh, it is called When Things Fall Apart, because as human beings, things are always falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> but it is by uh, a Buddhist monk named Pema Chodron, Every book I have ever read of hers is life-changing, but that would be one that I would recommend to start with.
0: I'm adding that to my list right now, because I haven't read that one yet. Okay, please do. My next question is something you've already alluded to. It's about stress. What is the best thing that helps you handle stress? Stress is obviously different from grief, although grief can cause a lot of stress. What helps you the most?
1: Definitely walking in nature. Being in any form of beautiful nature is one of the most healing experiences a person could have, in my opinion. Breathing, breathing, breathing exercises, yoga, meditation. I would say lately that it's mostly my observation of what has helped me the most has been to talk to those very precious friends and family that I have left in my life, that have supported me in my life. To share love and support with these people is so, so healing, so satisfying and and such a gift that It really speeds up the healing process. It can take you from a very, very low point in your day. A bit of laughter with those people, a a bit of sharing experiences of hearing their voice, of feeling their love and support can move mountains.
0: That is such beautiful life advice, Jean, for everything, connecting to those that you love. Opening your heart to others is so healing. I think you said that so beautifully. My last question to you is about the place in the world that you recommend everybody else visit. What's the number one place in the world for you where you would tell somebody you have to see this place? What's your top location?
1: I'm very, very lucky to be living in Suturol in northern Italy near the Austrian border and it is the nature here is absolutely stunning. It's the Dolomites, it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and I would recommend everyone, anyone and everyone, to come to the Sound of Music here, <laughs> to the hills of Heidi. Uh, but I have a favorite place here in Italy. Uh, it's always been my favorite place and I would, I would recommend everyone to go to Tuscany to spend time in Tuscany, specifically in the Val d'Orcia area. I think it's it's really one of the most peaceful, harmonious, luxurious and um, amazing places on earth.
0: I am also in Italy and I can second that So Tirol, the region you mentioned, is astoundingly beautiful. It's very good advice, Jean. Thank you so much for being my guest today and for opening your heart and also opening your wounds to share them with us in the hope that they help somebody else.
1: Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you for distributing any information that will help other people.
0: Okay. Bye, Jean.
1: Bye, Caitlin.